0: The passage we're looking at this evening is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 39 to 46. It should be on page 1048 of the Bible's in the chairs. That's Luke 22, starting at verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him.
1: Lord God, as we come to this passage, it's a a pretty sombre one, and we just pray that as we uh, look at it and reflect on it now, that you will speak through us and strengthen us in our faith in you. Amen. So, last week, if you remember, we had the table uh, down the middle of the church, and uh, Stephen was talking to us uh, about the Last Supper, and... uh, all that went on uh, there. This week, uh, we moved on. Uh, we've moved on to something, a scene that William Barclay wrote. He said, no scene is like this in all of history. This is no scene like this in all of history. And the disciples uh, have moved on uh, to the, the Mount of Olives. We know from the other Gospel accounts, it, it's Gethsemane. Uh, Here's a typical picture, the sort of thing they used to stick over uh, over altars in the old days uh, for you to think about uh, when you were in a a church service. And that pretty well illustrates uh, what we've just been hearing, haven't we? Uh, There's uh, Jerusalem in the distance. Uh, Jesus has walked out uh, down that road. Uh, He's gone to a hill. It would have probably been covered in trees in those days. Uh, And there are the disciples who we heard uh, fell asleep at a distance from him. Uh, and that little splodge in the sky, I think, is, is supposed to be the angel. But uh, we'll worry about the angel later. But what's interesting, or uninteresting, about a lot of these sorts of pictures is what is what they miss out. And if you were to compare uh, Luke's account of this scene in Gethsemane with the other Gospels, you will find Luke really focuses down on things that really the, that the picture can't quite capture. And that is the, the grief uh, and the anguish and the sadness and just the raw emotion that are happening in Gethsemane. Uh, if you've got your bibles open it's page 1058 and we'll look at a few verses uh, and we'll pick that up as we go along so we're going to think a little bit about that uh, that that fear that anguish and then see what Luke sort of does with it and he's going to talk about prayer and he's going to talk about where we can get our assurance from so that's where we're we're, we're sort of going to go and uh, let's just start off thinking about this, this, this anguish, this grief. Uh, this is, uh, you may not think it's a better picture. I do. Um, it's uh, by a, a more modern artist, 1948, painted. And uh, he was actually a comic strip uh, illustrator. But he non- did a number of uh, religious works uh, as well. And it's really beginning to focus on this idea, isn't it, of the utter... Anguish. That's the word in verse 44, isn't it? Jesus being in anguish. That's how he felt. And then we look on in verse 44. He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. The image is of an open wound with blood pouring out of it. That is the sweat pouring off the Lord Jesus. And the obvious question is, well, why? If we believe the Lord Jesus is the Lord, then surely He's in control. What's going on here? Well, of course, there are two things. Uh, One is, this is the Lord Jesus in all His humanity, facing what He knows is going to be a very unpleasant end. The die is cast, if you like. He knows that he is going to be killed he knows that he is facing crucifixion so at one level this is simply that's not the right way to put it is it But you know what i mean this is simply jesus facing up to what's about to happen to him but then of course jesus is not just any person he is god so you look at verse 42 and what does jesus pray he talks about taking this cup from me that cup has a sort of image uh, in the Old Testament and through the New Testament. It's sort of, it moves a bit, but the idea is a cup of suffering. It's actually sometimes used as the idea of forcing you to drink a whole bottle of something, a nasty wine, till you throw up, till you're so ill you can't stand it anymore. It's that idea of, of just voluntarily taking in that suffering. And then, uh, as the Bible progresses, that, that sort of gets uh, overlaid with the idea of God's wrath, and God's anger, and his rejection of everything sinful. And all of that is what Jesus is trying to envisage when he says, take this cup from me. He is facing separation from his loving Heavenly Father. Isaiah 53 has that phrase, doesn't it? The iniquity of us all was laid on him. And I think we find that quite difficult to, to process. We can't process it. We can't understand it. It is, it is off the cosmic scale. We, we cannot grasp what that means. And maybe that's why you get the disciples' reaction. Verse 45 says the disciples are exhausted from sorrow. Now what are they exhausted about? I mean a few minutes ago they have been arguing about who's going to be running the show after Jesus has died. They suddenly seem to have got the point, don't they? They suddenly seem to have realised that this is serious. And maybe this is just huge disappointment. This isn't the God they signed up to follow. And they will have been brought up on stories of of Samson in the book of Judges, Judges 16, where where Samson goes in and right at the end as he's dying he pulls down the pillars of the temple around him and he dies gloriously and all the Philistines are wiped out and he goes out in in a blaze of glory. But the reality seems to be sinking into the disciples that that's not what's happening here. I was very struck, I don't know how you felt about the, the news coming out of Seoul and the awful tragedy there last week. But it was striking, wasn't it, that there were a group of young people partying and celebrating Halloween, sort of playing with the idea of death as, as Halloween does and making fun of it. And then suddenly death arrived in person for 156 young people and suddenly nobody's partying anymore the reality of death had come home and so it's in that context that I think Dr Luke as it were almost offers us a prescription in that situation of overwhelming grief of anxiety and worry Prayer keeps coming up. There are six verses that have been put into our passage, and the editors divide it into six verses. And five of those talk about or involve prayer. Um, And clearly, the focus, verse 42, is Jesus' prayer. The disciples pray later on, we'll come on to that or are asked to pray. But for the moment, let's just look at Jesus' prayer. Father, he says, verse 42 in the other versions we know that's daddy this is written probably for the Romans to understand but it's daddy if you are willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done that's kind of not really the prayer that anybody is expecting from Jesus in this situation isn't it he's predicted his death he said he's going to die he's been quite steadfast walking to Jerusalem knowing what's happening to him It's not the prayer we expect. Um, It's it's rumoured, it may not be true, that our new vicar is a bit of a Trekkie fan. In fact, he'd rather rather watch an episode of Star Trek than the rugby. And he will be able to tell you all about how Captain Kirk's dad died, commanding the USS Kelvin as it ploughs into a Romulan spaceship and destroys it and saves all of his own crew. That's the sort of thing we want here, isn't it? We want someone who's dying for a cause and going ahead like that. Not someone who's wailing and, and blubbering and begging for mercy. But of course, that's not quite what's happening here, is it? Because that might what be what you might expect from an ordinary person. But this is God's Son speaking to his dad and if you look at that prayer we focus on this take this cup away from me don't we but actually the prayer starts and ends with complete, complete trust in the father's will if you are willing says Jesus at the beginning and then at the end yet not my will but yours be done that is a positive statement of trust in his father, isn't it? It's the verse from the hymn. Perfect submission. And then all is at rest. Uh, if you're not watching a Star Trek, you may be watching a musicals. And I do confess, I do enjoy, I do like a lot of Jesus Christ Superstar. There's some great stuff in it. But that bit it gets terribly, terribly wrong. Well, it gets a few bits terribly, terribly wrong. But the bit it gets really wrong is I think the scene in Gethsemane where Jesus is all sort of angst ridden and and almost petulant and complaining about God's treatment of him. But that isn't what's happening here. This is Jesus living in the settled will of God. You see, when we choose the will of God, we're not denying our free will, but we're exercising it. It's kind of quite counter-cultural, isn't it, really, to behave like that now. But that's what we're saying we're doing. We're not denying our free will. We're exercising it. Tozer was a famous uh, preacher last century. He said this. He said, in this situation, we are admitting that we are not good enough to desire the highest choice or wise enough to make it. So we ask another who is wise and good to make the choice for us. We submit To God's will because he is wiser than we are and that means that when we come to our prayers we kind of need to challenge ourselves a little bit don't we about the sort of the shopping list prayers and the and the father christmas letters a wish list uh, of prayers because that is not how jesus tells us to, to, to pray it's not how he's praying here when we say the lord's prayer you know do you realize we're copying this prayer I hadn't realised that. I try and say the Lord's Prayer every morning. It was only as I was reflecting on that uh, this week that I realised that this is a very similar prayer, isn't it? Lord's Prayer starts with, Your will be done. And it ends with, And yours is the power. The prayer that Jesus taught us to pray is bracketed with submission to the Father's will. Now, i know that begs a huge question about well what is the father's will how do i work it out and all the rest of it and, and that's probably somewhere we don't have time to go to go to uh, this evening um, one thing i will say though is just look at romans 14 what paul says there and he says whether i live or die i belong to the lord does he know the lord's will for him no he doesn't do you know the lord's will no i don't so what I put myself in the Lord's will and then I've trusted to someone who knows better than me what's good for me. So, that's another painting, by the way, obviously, of, uh, of Gethsemane by a Russian artist uh, and you can see some clues uh, to the crucifixion uh, in the background too there. But the problem with saying, well, let's just pray in God's will let's just trust God is it's kind of a bit intangible, isn't it? It's, it's a bit easy to say, well, I'll just pray to be in Father's will, and on, off we go. How can I know that if I do that, that God's listening to me? How can I know that he's, he's trustworthy? How can I know that's a sensible thing to do? Well, there are three little clues in this reading we might want to pick up on. Um, and the first one is to think about, well, how does god actually answer how does the father answer jesus's prayer because if we say well jesus was praying take this cup away from me we've got to say well god said no because the crucifixion wasn't cancelled was it we know exactly how the story uh, is going to pan out but look at verse 43 Verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to Jesus and strengthened him. The Lord Jesus, who Hebrews says was made just a little lower than the angels, was strengthened by the Father through an angel coming to him at that time. You see, Jesus was human in every respect, just like you and me in that time. And he needed strengthening. He needed that help. In fact, some of these paintings uh, deliberately do not show the face of Christ. Um, and that's why this one doesn't. It's painted by a, an orthodox Russian artist. And you can't show the face of Christ because that's making him too human. And in fact, in some of your Bibles, you might have a little note by this verse to say that this verse isn't in all, this, all the versions of the Bible that are around. Uh, And that's because a few hundred years after it was written, some editors thought, ooh, this is making Jesus too human. He shouldn't really need help from an angel. Let's take that verse out. Makes him sound a bit weak, really. But that is the whole point. Jesus has prayed that God's will will be done. And how tough that is, the answer here is an angel strengthening him. And of course, angels might still be strengthening us, but specifically we know we have the Holy Spirit, don't we? Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, he strengthens us, he gives us power. And then we know from Romans that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us all the time with the Father. And that means that whether or not we encounter angels, we do know that the Holy Spirit is with us and strengthening us in whatever situation uh, we happen to be in. And I think if you were to talk afterwards and and, and, and talk to Christians uh, in this building or or online or whatever, uh, and you would say, well, look, when you've been in a really tough situation, how has the Lord answered your prayer? And the truth is, although perhaps we don't always like to admit it, that we're going to be praying to get out of a situation, praying for something to make something better, and it just goes on. And we think, well, God didn't hear that prayer, did he? You know, I'm still praying for that situation to get better, and it hasn't got better. And then we have to step back and say, well, what's happening here is that the Lord hasn't said everything's going to get better. What he said is that he will walk through the valley with us. That his Holy Spirit will be with us, strengthening us and interceding. And that is what we're seeing, I think, here with the Lord Jesus. The cup will not be taken away. But an angel strengthens the Lord. So... How do I know uh, that if I'm praying in God's will, everything's sort of going to be fine? How can I tell? Well, the fact is, things may be tough. But the Spirit strengthens us. Two other things. Do you notice at the beginning of this reading, um, verse 39, it says, Jesus went out as usual. Stephen told us last week that uh, when the Last Supper happened... um, It's all a bit cloak and dagger, how they end up, sort of where they're going to go. Nobody knows, all a bit mysterious. Um, Because Jesus wants that private time with his disciples. That needs to be sort of sealed off. That's got to happen. But now things have changed, as usual. What that means is Judas knew exactly where Jesus was going to be. No, there's the angel. We'll skip over the angel. um, This is the picture we started with. And there's a very telling detail in it. I don't know whether you can see on on, on your screens, but can you see uh, there's a bridge in the background and then there's a road uh, uh, and there are the soldiers uh, coming along. And I think it's telling us Jesus has committed himself to a course of action and he is in control. This is no happenstance. He wasn't hiding away, and people still found him. Judas knew where he was going because this was his usual place to go. It was a deliberate act. Jesus was in control. Even at this time of what seems such grief, such anguish, we are assured that the Lord is still in control. And then I think the final bit of assurance you take out of this. It's just look how this little passage ends. Um, verse 46, why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray. Now what does he ask them to pray? What would you do? Just going off to face something really awful. Wouldn't you say, get up and pray for me. Get up and give me some prayer support. You know, get yourself organised, get people praying, help me through this. But he doesn't, does he? Get up and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, Salvador Dali, apparently, his final words were, I do not believe in my death. Which, I think he was probably proved wrong. Pretty stupid words to end with. These words couldn't be more different, are they? They're not focused on himself. Jesus is focusing on his care For his disciples. These are the last words he'll speak to them. Before he dies. And his last words. Are ones of care aren't they? What he's saying is. Pray. That you won't go through. What I'm about to go through. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to suffer all. The punishment. All the vileness of sin. And the separation from my father. So that you don't have to and so he says pray that you won't have to go through that it's actually the Lord's prayer again isn't it really the only bit of the Lord's prayer that's missing is give me my daily bread which was clearly irrelevant pray that we will not fall into temptation pray pray if you like that we'll go to heaven that's what he's saying and if we say, well, I can't work out what God's will is, I can't discern God's will, well, it's right there, isn't it? Jesus prays in John that not one of his friends should be lost. It's the same prayer here, isn't it? Let us pray that we will not fall into temptation. And so, our response to this passage, I think, is simply to pray whatever our situation, however grim things might be, however awful the situation might be that we're in, we pray. And what we pray for, we pray earnestly for God's will to work out in our lives. Because that is always the best for us. And we will find that difficult. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen us in our prayers. Amen.